Welcome to Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera, where we explore the big questions of faith, life, and meaning. In this episode, we'll be discussing the importance of worship and praise and examine how they can help us deepen our relationship with God. Dr. Rivera will guide us through the biblical definitions of worship and praise, their similarities and differences, and he'll also provide practical guidelines and best practices for engaging in worship and praise in a genuine and meaningful way. Dr. Mark, thank you for taking time to explore the transformative power of worship and praise and how these practices can help us draw closer to God. Well, it's so good, first of all, to be here and uh, to approach this very important subject and to interact with you and and have our audience listen in and uh, give us feedback uh, with it as well yes. on uh, on this important topic. And it seems like it's two separate topics, uh, praise and worship, but <laughs> right. there's actually some overlap that we'll be able to explore. So I think this will be a, a, a time well spent in investing in our own spiritual growth. Yeah, no, that's that's good to point that out at the start. Yeah, the, you would think that we could, and we probably could do a separate episode just on worship and a separate episode just on praise. But uh, coming off of the last episode that we did on spiritual disciplines, this was something that was mentioned. You actually did kind of mention it on the fly, like, hey, maybe we should do an episode right, right. about these two things because you, one of the things you immediately identified is that as uh, although there are similarities, there are things that do distinguish the two. So I guess starting there, let's define worship and praise. Well, well first of all, let me just make a separate... Well, you know, actually, I, I thought about before we, we Go got on, I was thinking, <laughs> I'm just going to mention it, we're not going to do it. But we should have gotten into a moment of praising because we could have, when you introduced me, we could have started applauding and cheering, and yeah, that's actually praising. That's true. Right? Isn't that's it true? true? But I decided not to do that because we have to be a bit more serious <laughs> with, the, with the material. But um, because, and, and the reason I mentioned that is there is um, a separation between both, mm -hmm. and we'll define the terms, but really praise can be looked at differently than worship. In fact, praise is not even can doesn't necessarily have to be a spiritual act, a spiritual thing. Um, it can be you know when you when you go see a, a wonderful uh, theater production on here in in in, uh, in the theater district here in New York City or Radio City Music Hall or a movie or whatever that you're watching, we go into praise afterwards. We applaud, right? Hmm. And uh, so. Uh, Praise is something that can be done corporately. It really has no no direct spiritual connection initially, although later on it does. Um, so it's a corporate thing. In fact, it's it's so so neutral, so so faith neutral that praise can actually be negative. You can praise you know a bad behavior. You can praise a bad hero. You know people. If you look at history. Some individuals, you know, Hitler is an example that yeah. I think of right a away. A tyrant. A tyrant, yeah, yeah, yeah. A dictator yeah. can be praised. Exactly, exactly. That You're clapping sense. and applauding, and, and it's not agree or disagree, but so praise can also be that. Mm. With, uh, with faith and scripture and spirituality, it draws that concept into the church experience. Once it comes into the church experience, and now I'm bringing it in to sit alongside worship, those two things actually can be distinct and different. You can have a, a, a church experience or a religious place experience where you are praising, and even there, you could you could praise bad thing, bad singing, bad preaching, you know, mm -hmm. bad a bad environment, even in a church setting. So we need to keep that in place. What happens is, and this is where we now I switch to a bit more spirituality. 
the redemptive power of the gospel not only redeems us individually, I've stated that before in some of these podcasts, but also systems and things that are around us. So praise now becomes a tool. It becomes a practice. It becomes a a thing, if you will, that uh, will enhance our relationship with God in that now we can use that to bring homage and recognition to him corporately because it's a corporate experience. All right. No, that makes a lot of sense. So with that in mind, do you have, is there a specific definition we want to go with for, let's start with worship? Yes, there is. There is. And then, of course, we'll dive into it, break it down. I'm, I'm going to give you my 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 experience, mm-hmm. and I don't even have to look at notes or anything for this because it's my experience. Mm-hmm. Worship is really a frail human being, right, mm-hmm. with all of our faults, realizing that we're standing before an omni, uh, uh, an uh, uh, all-powerful, almighty God. Mm-hmm. We're standing in that space, and he doesn't kill us. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't, you know, his wrath doesn't, isn't outpouring. That's the way I look at it on a personal level. And that is that it, because it's personal, worship is not a corporate experience. It can be uh, experienced corporately in the sense of people can gather for a time of worship. But for me, it really is a, a personal journey. So worship is something that you can do, yes, with a group of people. But in reality, it is also a, an offering before the Lord of who you are. And that can happen in a private, confidential, separate space between you and the Lord. So you can worship alone at home in the morning when you wake up, at night when you're about to go to sleep. You can worship at Sunday, Easter Sunday at the church or wherever it is that you go to to worship, whatever day that you go to uh, uh, worship the Lord. So there's a marked distinction there. So let me let me just recap. The marked distinction is that praise is a is a, is a neutral thing that can also be given toward something that's not good or healthy or well taken into the church, wooed into the church now, it becomes a, a standalone next to worship. And worship now takes it a different, uh, a, a bit further. And that is, that is that um, worship becomes a personal experience where you as a frail, broken human being stands before the awesome presence of God and are able to walk away and, and talk about it. All right. So that's actually great insight of worship. Is there a more uh, Webster's <laughs> definition kind of style? <laughs> yes, there that is. We have? Okay, yeah, sure. There is. And, if, and if I'm defining worship that it's a personal experience, then really on the technical side, each individual person can shape the texture of their worship experience because mm-hmm. it is personal. But yes, there's plenty of scripture, the one that we selected for today to bring a biblical definition and then add to that how we interpret that yes. is found in, in John, the Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, where it says, uh, but, in, but the hour is coming and is now here where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And there you see the key of what I mentioned in my personal decision, that it is a personal experience that the individual would have. But it also speaks about the condition of the person's heart. Yeah. That makes the difference. Yeah, I was going to call that out, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because it's a, we're bouncing off each other and learning here together and sharing with our audience. But it is about the condition of the heart. Mm-hmm. And the, the heart needs to be, when it says in spirit and in truth, it's, yeah. it's dealing to your internal motivation, your spiritual motivation. 
And that has to sprout from a place of truth. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times are people applauded when people don't really like what they've just <laughs> said or preached or whatever? That's a good example. They did it out of courtesy. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear a politician speaking, and because everybody's applauding, applauding rather, you applaud as well, but you really don't subscribe to what was just stated. Uh, when it says spirit and truth, it's, talk, it's pointing to the internal experience of the person and then coming from the motivation and the motivation needs to be a, a motivation that it's tinged, listen to this, that it's uh, framed around sincerity, mm. framed around authenticity, right? framed about uh, around seeking a deeper relationship with God and that can be then the foundation of true worship. So it really requires an internal examination. That's why when I opened up with my personal for me personally, is that I realize my frail humanity as I'm standing before an awesome God. So I have to dig in deep. I might be dressed in a tuxedo, right? <laughs> but it is not about the external. It's about the internal, the internal motivation. And that is to render honor and homage to a God that is just awesome. But it has to come. The starting point, what fuels the worship, is that uh, sincerity, is that authenticity. It's seeking a deeper, deeper relationship. There is no duplicity in worship. If you're standing in a public place and you're lifting your hands so that people can see that you're lifting your hands, that is not worship because the motivation is that people can see. If you're standing in the same place and you don't care what the audience is seeing with regard to the image you're projecting, but rather you feel the brokenness of standing before God, you're you're dressed in your your best outfit, you lift up your hands, you're weeping like crazy, you don't even know that, you know, for a moment you separate yourself from the crowd— the motivation then there is our brokenness before an awesome God to strengthen the relationship. That's worship. That's worship. So worship is that uh, thing that has to be drawn out from the inside of us, not necessarily from the outside. Because another interesting thing about worship, you can actually worship and not say a word if it's the internal motivation. I was just going to ask that because it doesn't, based on what you're describing, it God is is tuning into something that is happening internally within you. So with that being said, can you worship silently? Yes, you can. Mm. You can worship silently. In fact, in some traditions of religion outside of Christianity, and even in Christianity it happens, there are moments when there, in fact, the Bible talks about that sometimes our moaning and groaning becomes mm. a language that, that connects with God. That's Those aren't words. So I think the, the silence is something that can be experienced in worship when you stand in awe of him. Mm. We sing a song that goes that way. If you're standing in awe of him, that can be a worship experience. Now, here's, here's, here's the interesting thing is, as human beings, we feel we have to do something. Right. I mean, it goes back to our previous conversations in other sessions, that in other episodes rather, where we think we have to be doing something for our justification, doing something for our spirituality. So when when we get to that place of silence before him, I one time years ago, years ago, I went to, to a, a Catholic uh, convent. And uh, when I went there for a weekend, we were having some meetings with a group of other people and I was part of an organiza- Christian organization. And the first thing that we did, we went into a silent retreat. For me as a person not familiar with that kind of worship experience, it was uh, it was kind of un- I felt I had to be guarded, but then I realized as I engaged, wait a minute, there's true significance in this, you know. So I mean, I don't worship all the time that way, but I realized my silence speaks loudly of my sincerity, my authenticity, my my striving for a deeper relationship with God. Praise can't be that you can't praise silently. Think about it for a moment. Outside of the religious circles, you can't praise silently. Mm. You know, you have to. It has to be visibly seen, audibly heard. Right, yeah. it has to be. 
but worship is a whole different different uh, experience. Yeah, for sure. Another thing I, I wanted to um, call out from that verse too, it, it's saying that this is what God is seeking. He's seeking oh, yeah. out That's good. Good these worships, these worshipers. Can you touch a little bit more on that concept? You know, that's almost if you if, depending upon what your faith is, but that's also that that sounds to me like a demand. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, right? when you read it, now that yeah. yeah, it sounds like a demand. Because if God, don't we want to go after what God is seeking? Mm. Don't we want to yield and fill that space where that God is seeking? And if and it's and then the other thing about being a true worshiper, then again, there it has to be the internal motivation. It has to be that your heart has to be in the right place. Uh, but yet, God is seeking that, and I think we can we can honestly insert the word there that God is demanding that for for us. Uh, that's why, um, and we'll unpack a little bit further as we move along in the session today in this episode. But that's why it has to be participatory. It has to be we have to go there rather than observe. Uh, a spectator is not a worshiper. A spectator can be a praiser, mm. and by the definition we started earlier, but cannot be a worshiper. You have to be participatory in that as well. Good right. observation, by the way. Yeah, he's <laughs> seeking. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He is. So staying in this topic of more defining it, like to dive a little bit more into some of the origins. What what did worship look like from a biblical perspective versus how it's evolved up until now? So if you could just think of examples of maybe, um, you know, I'm, I'm the, the very most obvious one that comes to mind for me is Pentecost. In the upper room. Well, let's go there. Um, it, it says that they were in one accord. That speaks of and in, in one accord, not just in the same room, but also seeking after more a deeper walk with God, deeper relationship with God, because they were seeking after what the Lord said was what we know the Lord said is the promise. Go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Mm. So they went went there in anticipation, not of being a group together. They were together in prayer, but also in singing and praising and in worship. And in that moment. Then they received the promise of the Lord, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And we can unpack that in many, many ways. But that's um, that can definitely be called worship, to answer your, your question uh, directly. It can certainly be called worship. Interestingly enough, in the worship experience, and I just want to expand on the your, your mentioning of the day of Pentecost, in the worship experience is a place, because you're seeking in sincerity, the motivation is to connect with God, then God in his miraculous way and ways that we sometimes don't understand does speak to us, does walk into that space in our lives because really worship is coming from a place of us not looking the, uh, laterally to God, you know, horizontally to God, but now we're looking at God vertically. We're looking at looking up to God, if you will. Can we can we explore that a little bit more? I don't want to get too off track, but All only right. because that kind of fascinates me in the sense of, again, from our Christian tradition. Yes. We believe God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So can you help us understand what you're pointing out as far as God's presence in that space of worship versus omnipresent? Yeah, let's go back because we're on this subject. So praise, praise is really a horizontal discipline. Okay. Somebody's on the stage performing, you clap. You shout, yeah, good, excellent, right? That's pretty horizontal. When it comes to worship, yes, it can start out horizontal because God is omnipresent. So he exists in the vert on the horizontal axis, also in the vertical axis. He, he exists in front of us, behind us. 
The term, uh, one of the attributes of God, Jehovah Shammah, or Shammah, depending upon how you pronounce, uh, you know, others may pronounce it, it really talks about God being present at the moment. And it is not just somebody walking in to the scene, but God walking in fully as God. And I always look at that as God, the Genesis God that created everything that exists, mm-hmm. right? So if we know that, then God exists, because if God, if we have to invite God in, that's really saying that God isn't there already. Right, right. So God is a witness to the entire journey of humanity. Okay. What worship does, it brings us to a place because of our motivation and attitude to a place where now God can show up, and that's maybe a poor word in the English, but to show up to then now um, strength to relate with us. To relate and connect with us. That's why I said before, he'll speak to us. He'll promise. We'll hear promises. The Lord will bring encouragement. Now it flows our way, but it isn't because we're looking at it vertic- uh, horizontally. Now we're looking at him as seated in high places and feeding our lives. That's the distinction that we have. So, yeah, the omnipresence of God is an interesting concept. Uh, sometimes our mind, because of our mental, intellectual limitations, we don't understand the... F- In fact, God, we just can't understand God intellectually. No, yeah, but it's a hard But he concept. is present everywhere, mm-hmm. but then present as an agent of spirituality, present as an agent of love, right? According to the epistles of John. Uh, present as one that answers our life. Present as one that walks with us. It almost sounds to me that the qualities of God become uh, more tangible in a, a space of worship. Almost uh, I, the, the metaphor that comes to my mind is almost like an aroma that becomes thicker and, and more potent. But, you know, to try to understand this concept again of God is everywhere, but then in those moments of worship, there's this almost manifest presence that's a little bit thicker, a little bit more, feels more tangible. Would that be an accurate way to kind of interpret that? I would, I would look at it a little different. Okay. It isn't God. It's really our, based on the verse that we just read, it's really a God. Um, it's really our motivation. Let, let me use this example. It's oversimplified and almost to some listening, it might be even insulting in comparison to God. But <laughs> I, I like for me, I have to sometimes look at very simple rudimentary things to help me understand the divine. So we're in this room right now and people that are listening to us are listening also in, in a room. Mm-hmm. There's electricity in the socket. Yes. Always there. Whether we turn on the light or plug anything in, it's always there. And it's there fully as electricity. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., you, you, know, you have 110 flowing out of the, the, the outlet on the wall, right? You have to, I need light. So what I do is if the light doesn't work, then I have to first plug in the light. Mm-hmm. Electricity did nothing to plug in the light. I had to plug in the light right. to tap into something that was all already there and available to Im- right. and available to pick uh, to to impact my life in the now. Same thing with God. For me, that see simple for me is better. <laughs> yeah, no, that's much better. <laughs> Over complicating it. That's for why me. this is your podcast. I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. you know what happens sometimes. I'm supposed to speak something so very deep because it's Doctor Mark Rivera. No, but I, for me, sometimes the sim- the simple things for me are very helpful. No, that makes a lot. And of sense. so then yeah. in worship is the same thing. And it, or back to the topic of God being omnipresent and all powerful, Almighty. Mm-hmm. All those attributes don't change like we do. We get up tired. No, no. God is not weary. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So um, he's always present. That outlet is always there. Day of Pentecost. He was always there. He was always God before. He was always the empowering God prior to the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 gatherers there, the worshipers that gathered there had the right attitude. Yeah. Internal motivation. Spirit and truth. There you go. There you go. Like the, the, to yeah. plug in to that fire that was already in God. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. 
building off of that definition and that background, that context, can we talk about some of the different types of worship? Um, and even praise, it also sounds like I know you made that distinction that praise is not exclusive to just religion and faith. Praise can be given freely to anyone in any context. It's right. not a religious thing. So, but, but even with that, so how do we, how, you know, what does that look like? Worship and what does praise also look like? Let's look at that in another context. But before I go there, I want to go here um, and to continue clarifying. So, in the secular experience, we can praise everyone, mm. right? Yes. In the secular experience, we cannot worship anyone or anything because that becomes idolatry. Mm. Which, by the way, you and I'm a musician, you see that in many musical genres mm. where the performer people now actually begin to go and adore the performer. Yeah. And some would even use the word worship the performer. That is outside of what God would permit because worship is exclusively for, for God, as we will see as we continue with the explanations here today. So in, in church circles, now we're in religious circles, in, faith, in the faith world, both praise and worship work, right? But yeah. now it becomes a positive thing uh, brought to the direction or to the attention of God rather than a person. So I think that's an important distinction because I'm seeing in the music world, you know, people are bowing down and yielding and making uh, spiritual pledges and whatever to performers yeah. as acts of worship and even using those words. We've got to be careful with that because, um, you know, the, there are things that belong exclusively to God. And praise might be something that we use broadly and recklessly in many situations, but worship has to be something that's part of our lifestyle and part of our focus and part of who we are, but it's directly, uh, directed always to God, our creator, right? Now to go to, and I wanted to make that distinction because I think it's important for our audience. You know, we, we yes. watch and, you know, uh, I'm not against musical genres and all of that, but we've got to be careful or performers, but we got to have to be careful not to worship those individuals uh, at all because worship only belongs to God. But in order for us to further understand I think we have to go back to some nomenclature and some historical context in the mm -hmm. sense of uh, as we look at other traditions. And I'll also want to earmark my next comments by saying this first. We cannot really critique anything un unless we understand it. Mm -hmm. We have no right. If we could tr critique something without understanding it, then we're really gossiping, right? And we're being divisive. So we have to stop and be secure enough in what we understand and know of ourselves to go and study and look at others. So I, what I'm going to do is grab it, grab our audience by the hand, and let's just take a, a real few, a few minutes to explore what worship means in other religious experiences. Yes. Like for example, Hinduism. Right. In Hinduism, a worship is called puja. Right. That's what it's called, mm. and it typically involves offering prayers, food. It involves uh, offerings to the gods, plural, lowercase and plural. To the goddesses, again, lowercase and plural, that's their experience, as well as performing rituals and even chanting, right? That's part of that experience. They call that worship. If we look at Buddhism, Buddhism uh, worship takes a different tinge, and that is that worship, uh, worship in a in Buddhist experience um, uh, involves paying homage to Buddha, mm. right? That's their, their deity, uh, and by the way, audience, whether you agree or not agree, again, let's understand before we, we critique. So it's paying homage to Buddha. It's reciting sutras, which is the reci re reciting uh, uh, of prose and words and things in the past. Performing uh, meditative uh, practices is another distinctive of the worship experience and definition in Buddhism. Islam, another one, right? So in Islam, 
Uh, it involves uh, the the five pillars of Islam, which we hear often with Ramadan when it comes around. You know, we we, and again, I'm not I'm not saying practice these. I'm saying let's understand these from our yes. vantage point. That way, we don't criticize and try to destroy. And I'm emphasizing that because that's what we've done historically. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to know. We don't want to know. We need to know. That's how you make a judgment call. You, yeah, you need to know. So, um, Islam that includes uh, reciting the declarations of faith. Mm. That includes praying five times a day. That includes charitable giving. Mm-hmm. That in, involves fasting, especially when you talk about Ramadan, right? It also includes the pilgrimage to Mecca, and that's one of the hallmarks of, of the entire worship experience uh, for Islam. And, and then it, if we go now to Christianity, excuse me, we look at worship and, and, phrase, and praise, rather, and it can refer specifically to musical elements of a church service, such as singing, hymns, and worshiping songs, and clapping, and, and, and effervescence, if you will, if you're more toward the charismatic uh, movement. Uh, that's what worship is. And for some worship, for some traditions, worship is actually the liturgy. When they say let's go to the worship service, they're not talking about singing they're talking about including all of those things. In a Christian, and in some specific traditions in Christianity, when we talk about the worship service, we might be referring to the worship of songs, you know, worshiping songs, but in reality, it includes the entire service. We need to keep that in mind. So when the worship leader stops in one of our services, right, that's not the moment to stop worshiping. Hmm. Worship isn't over. We're still there in a religious experience, in a spiritual experience. Um, in the secular context, you know, again, I, as I mentioned before, uh, praise involves um, musical instruments and involves activities, art and sculpture and all that, which I believe that's also an expression of man, mankind's talent, give it unto God. Because those words or those actions that you get involved with, in, rather, uh, who, to whom are you directing that to? Yeah. So if you're writing a symphonic piece and you're offering it as a gift to God, as an expression of gratitude to God, that can be defined as worship. Right, right. That that musical piece. Well, that that's you, the key definition, right? Like the, your your intent and where your heart's at. There you go. And it, the point is to glorify, ultimately glorify God. Glorify God. And I think that makes sense too. I'm glad you make that you're making this distinction that because I feel like at a very superficial level, people will typically associate music with worship exclusively. So the fact that you're saying that the entire, at least from a uh, a Christian faith based uh, perspective, the entire service. Um, outside of just the music, can be worship. You know, you just hit something so it's powerful. We we can probably do a multiple series on this. <laughs> if you look at wor- worship, can be done alone. You don't need anybody else. Okay. Worship can be done if it can be done silently, as I mentioned previously. Then also, worship can be without music. Mm-hmm. If you need music to get you pumped up, so that you can praise and you know go before the Lord, that's very limited in your experience with God. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, so worship experience is stepping into that room, that inner room where now you, again, back to my very basic rudimentary definition for me personally, as a frail human being before an awesome God. And you really don't need, you know, uh, you don't need those extra things. Not that those things are wrong. They're not, it's not, it isn't that they're wrong, but you don't rely upon that. God is all sufficient. Yeah. So the worship experience should, should satisfy you all sufficiently. Um, uh, how the Bible says in the book of Psalms, the glory declares, the, the, the creation declares, uh, the heavens declare the, the glory of God. Mm-hmm. 
If that's the case and you take that, so that means I could sit at, on a lake somewhere, by a lake some, as the sun is going down or rising, and experience and have a worship experience as I see creation being displayed. Mm. When we, when I went years ago to uh, the Grand Canyon, right, and we went there early, four o'clock in the morning, something like that. It was barely cold up there, and dark, and all of that. There was a large group of people. Then all of a sudden, the start starts to creep up on the other side of the canyon. The sunrise, nice. yeah, exactly. And then the the, the the sun rays bouncing off the 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 walls of the canyon. Wow. There was a silence in the people. No one was saying everything, anything at all. There was a silence because you wait, you know, he's far away from anything. Um, that for me, I, I stood in awe. And that means in awe, that doesn't mean that I, I went into, I fainted. or <laughs> It means that I'm my senses are fully charged and operating fully. I can see, I can hear, I can feel, I can smell, right? And so you, my senses were fully charged as I'm looking, the sun, not saying anything, just simply rising. Yeah. And I, I, I really felt, and I'm not being mystical here or anything like that, or emotional, I really felt the presence of the creator. I don't know what others felt, mm. but I know what I felt. And it was like the, the presence of the creator showing me the start of a new day and incredible possibilities. Yeah, yeah. You instantly recognize God's work <laughs> yeah. in what you were seeing. Exactly. So that that uh, that makes sense. That aligns perfectly with what you were saying with that individual expression of worship, that your heart and your spirit was recognizing God as the source behind what you're experiencing and seeing, and you want to glorify him, right? Like this is, God is the one who's, who's, allowing me and blessing me with this awesome, beautiful nature experience. And, and you know, if, if what I said before is true or is is viable or is acceptable that and, you know, art and sculpture and music and all that can also be an offering of worship. So when you, when I go, I mean, I have had the privilege to do some traveling. So when I, when I go to um, the Vatican, right. And I go to St. Peter's Basilica where they have artwork, sculptures in there that are priceless. There's no price on them whatsoever. And you go to the Sistine Chapel and you look at yeah. that. All of that. Now, putting our my faith tradition aside and I'm trying to understand spirituality in a more general way, right? Those artists and those gifted artists that were using their gift to, you know, display those those incredible, magnificent pieces, they were doing it as unto God. So to to run through the Sistine Chapel and just run through. I think it's a disservice to the act of worship that these artists were trying to capture in their artwork. Mm. And it's important to stop for a moment and see what that man or that artist did, a woman did, to create what they created. And, you know, it's very important. And, and the, the, the interesting thing, too, about human behavior, you will find many of these artists were not, they tend to be not social people. Imagine painting the Sistine Chapel. You couldn't be a social person. You have to sit on your back, facing the ceiling, trying to paint up there. You know, there was no cell phones or anything. You have no interaction with anyone. You forget to eat. Somebody throws you food and you eat while you're up there, right? Yeah. But they were able to use their gifting to just go before the awesomeness of God. And we have to appreciate that. Yeah. I think, That's a, a good more. point, too. It, it, does, it does sound like it requires very intentional focus without distractions, too. So I think that, that was a good point. And also, you just mentioned another form of worship art and you know art can be a form of worship unto god if again at the end of the day it glorifies god um can we talk uh, i want to kind of jump a l slightly 
off script a let's little do bit it, let's here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Only because I'm, you know, I now, you know, as you were talking about the individual experience and how, yes, worship can be done corporately, but it can be done individually, silently. Now I'm thinking of the most prominent character in the Bible that's associated with worship, David. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote a lot of the Psalms. Psalms is the largest book in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of explore and, uh, and elaborate a little bit more just that the significance there? I mean, because, uh, you know, with David, I'm assuming a lot of this stuff he wrote, he wrote individually. And then also the fact that it is, Psalms is the largest book of the Bible. It's right that if you split the Bible in half, you're most likely right. going to land in, in the book of Psalms. So worship is clearly very, very important from a biblical point of view. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you hit it right on the head because if you, you, you accidentally open the Bible, it'll fall more than likely in the middle of the book. Yeah. It's 150 chapters. And also David was very far from perfect too. Well, I, yeah. I want to go there. Okay. I okay. definitely <laughs> want to go there. Yeah. The, the make, I want to talk about the mechanical thing first. You know, okay. it's, it's considered to be the, the hymn book, the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. right? And why is it in the middle of the Bible? You know, the, the, the compilers of the canon decided to put it in the center, mm. you know, 150 books, their base uh, chapters rather. Uh, right smack in the middle, it's a compilation of songs, actually, mm-hmm. and poems and prose. So the first thing that it speaks to me is the centrality of worship when you look at the biblical text. Mm. You know, It yeah. has to be the center, if you will, right. praise and worship. The other thing that it says to me is the abundance. It's 150 chapters, mm. the only one with that many chapters. Yeah. Right? So it says to me, now the Bible doesn't say this, but it's, it's speaking to me this way, then there has to be like there are an abundance of chapters in, in Psalms. There needs to be a, an abundance of praise and worship in our life journey. Mm. You know, if anything, that should, because when we're up in heaven, that's what we're going to be doing, bowing down before the king, right? The, mm. we, we see the metaphor, metaphorically the, the example in the book of Revelation where they took off their crowns and bowed down, right? So there's, yeah. a, there's paying homage to the creator. So definitely the book of Psalms speaks to that. But now let's go, uh, David wrote, uh, the Davidic Psalms dominate uh, the book of Psalms. Yeah. And you're right on target, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> no, 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 you were right on target. Uh, far from perfect, far, the psalmist David was far, in fact, we quickly run to his deformity rather than his redemption. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. The things he did wrong, Rather than my goodness, you know, still the mercy of God and the, and the grace of God covered him, yeah. um, where he was able to, you know, be so prolific in what he did. You know, the, the search my heart, oh God. You know, talk about repentance and coming before the lessons to be like that could be a whole separate lesson again. <laughs> yeah. um, but it tells me there that not only is the is praise and worship cent- central to Scripture, mm-hmm. abundant in Scripture. But it tells me also that it is the tool that frail and broken people can use to connect to their gifting as an offering to God. Wow, right. that's that for me. That's very helpful. Helpful. Yeah, you know. So it's it opens because look at David. David is an example of someone that shouldn't have been writing the way he did. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have been going before the Lord. Shouldn't have been saying things that till this day still relate to us. And that's very very powerful. The other thing, and there's a bunch of stuff that comes out of there, and I'll end with this one, although there's probably many more that we can talk about. When you talk about David as a, as a psalmist, David as a broken man, David as one that would you, it's this, and this is one of, the, at the end of this episode, we'll give this as one of the recommendations, so you'll hear me say it again. One of the practices that we see with David, obviously, obviously, he had a journal. Yeah. He was writing this stuff down. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Obviously. obviously. Yeah. Because, you know, he just didn't submit it to memory. 
even if he just used parchment paper or if he used the the you know the skin dried skin of the animals that he was tending to or the ground that he wrote on he wrote or, or a tablet or not a tablet like we have now <laughs> but a, you know a slab of a stone mm-hmm. um journaling is so important so writing putting things down or maybe now we have this zigzag kind of writing where you know if someone's preaching and instead of the following the notes that the person is saying You'll, as you're receiving it, it may be a picture in your mind, so you paint that picture to the best of your ability and then connect back and forth, however you use it. You have to be able to, to see this clearly now that David was so powerful in, in his work and gifting, you know, so enduring even today, that what he did is that he was a person that wrote things down a journal. So that, that's critical in developing our life of praise and worship before. It isn't, I'm going to really engage worship because we're going to have this top level Grammy award winning worship singer, or it's coming from some, you know, and I don't want to mention names, but you know, some, some church that not only does church, but they they also own music, gospel music production companies yeah. and write all the music. It isn't that, you know, it isn't that. And oh, this place that only sings the hymns or this particular choir from someplace really is anointed and they're going to really take me to a place of worship. No, you need to take yourself to a place of worship. Mm. If you need that, what's going to happen with that is not around. Mm. What's going to happen? What what is going to happen? So in David, we see that, that he used uh, the writing down while he was doing other things than being king. Mm. Audience, listen to me right now. Don't wait till you get to that perch where you think God is leading you to, whether it's to be a pastor or a leader of a ministry or whatever. David was still a shepherd, not yet king, and yet he was worshiping, yet he was using his gifting. And that's a charge to those that are listening to us right now. Not only that, he was doing that even before anyone was even considering him to be in yes. any position of power. Yes. He was still worshiping. Yes. Um Another thing I want to pull from David, again, this is slightly off the original <laughs> notes that we were putting together. Um, I don't think I'm going to pronounce it right, but I'm going to try. I just want you to kind of highlight the importance of, in Psalms, there are certain um, chapters where they have Selah. Oh, yes, yes. That pause. Yes, yeah. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about the significance of that? Absolutely. S E L A H. Selah. Or Selah, depending upon, you know, who what seminary you went to, you okay. know, pronounce it differently. Okay. But uh, the word the, the word basically means pause, mm. pause. And because Psal- uh, the book of Psalms is a hymn book, I, there's several ways to look at this. So let's look at it from a musical perspective. So if the Psalms is a hymn book, it's basically a musical instruction, which by the way, we have even today when you read a, a chord chart or a, a musical chord chart or right. any music, they have these symbols that instruct the musician to stop for a moment because um, something else is going to happen in the piece that needs to be heard. So an orchestra, let me give you an example. An orchestra is playing, all the instruments are playing, but now there's a segment of the presentation where only the uh, the cellos are going to be heard. Everyone else needs to pause, but you can't say, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> so in the written uh, 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 music lyrics, they have a symbol telling those specific instruments to stop playing so that the other one can come in and do what they're going to do. Or it is also a pause of everyone to just stop because pausing also, you ever heard of the term, the pregnant pause, that you say something and you, that's a pregnant pause, right? <laughs> Everybody just heard yeah. nothing, but they're waiting for me to say something. Right. So that's what Selah is, is an instruction, a musical instruction to have them pause. And you don't find it in all those Psalms, but you'll find it in quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. How we reflect that into praise and worship is beautiful. It's, I think it's, it's back to 
the Grand Canyon experience I had. Yeah. Right? That was the image I had in my mind too. Oh, yeah? yeah okay. That, that, I mean, that, that's, that there's nothing wrong with just standing there in awe of him. Mm. We sometimes think that by, by, by you know, shouting more, clapping more, being more effervescent, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Because it might sound like I'm being critical. No, nothing wrong with that. But there are moments when we just have to be still and know that I am God. That's one of the Psalms. Yeah. Be still and know that I am God. And that's when you stand in his presence and then you absorb in. If, you're, if your motivation is internal, then God responds to that motivation and speaks to us internally. Some people hear his audible voice. I've never heard God's voice, but I've certainly felt prompting in my heart that it had to be God. Mm. No, that's a good point. You know, another word that's coming to mind as we break down worship and praise is gratitude. And, and the reason why I'm, I wanted to highlight specifically gratitude is because the examples you gave seem to constantly uh, show an expression of appreciation for God and what he's done. Like the, we'll go back to the example of the Grand Canyon. It, I'm assuming there is also this sense of gratitude, like, wow, I am grateful that God has given me this time and moment to experience this, but also grateful that God created this in, in the first place. So can we uh, maybe dive a little bit more in the role of gratitude when it comes to worship? Right. Gratitude is one of the the elements that we have to have, the characteristics that we have to have in approaching God mm. through worship. Uh, and it's simply gratitude is simply that you're, you're acknowledging God's favor, God's mercy, God's love, an extension of, of God elevating you rather than crushing you. Uh, an element of God uh, forgiving you instead of uh, punishing you. And because of that action that emanates from God to you, you then return into a place of gratitude. And we need to be, and joy is connected to gratitude. Mm. Affirmation is connected to gratitude. Yeah, but gratitude point. is that personal experience. And, and again, I, I emphasize personal because we sometimes make our faith experience so collective. And there's an element of that. Um, but it, it's more the personal, the intentional personal inclination toward God, which is another word I didn't use earlier, and that is that in praise and worship, it has to be intentional mm. from you. Uh, I've seen it in our church. In our church, you know, people come in brand new, and, you know, we, we are very effervescent in our worship. We lift our hands, we clap, some people dance, we have flags, all that, which is wonderful, right? And it creates this wonderful atmosphere. Yeah. And I, I see people that uh, stand there, and when they first come in and they just like watching, you can see their heads aren't moving, but their eyes are going back and forth. What is going on here, right? <laughs> yeah. After a few times of visiting us and maybe sitting there sometimes and under our preaching and teachings in, in our formalized classes, you see them all of a sudden lifting up their hands. And because it has to be personal, it really does have to be personal. Yeah. It has to be an intentional thing that you do when you're ready to do. But back to gratitude, it has to be, an, I, I think our life has to be, a life of being uh, uh, expressing appreciation and gratitude toward God all the time for the things he has done, seeing us through, healing us, providing for us, opening doors, closing doors, you know, protecting us, you know, that no harm has come to us. When you think about it, waking up in the morning is another one. Having this podcast, there's plenty of reasons that we have for uh, being appreciative of God and expressing gratitude for the favor that we receive from him. So yes, gratitude is part of the praise and the worship experience. So real quick, very black and white answer. If I wake up in the morning and I do a quick prayer, thank you God for waking me up to this morning. Is that a form of worship? Again, it depends on the motivation of the heart. Mm. 
it, it depends if it's you know I, I, God thank you because I woke up this morning I'm not late <laughs> right okay right okay that the motivation is you got to get to work early but if there is that if the motivation in the heart is that recognition <laughs> that no like it was God, God has given me another day of life right? that's the motivation yeah. that that's the key that makes it a form of worship yeah it, again if you continue to, prayer if we continue to unpack this there's really no time frame to worship. Because if we're going yeah, to be like that, bowing, yeah. taking off the crowns and bowing before him in eternity, there's no time in eternity. Mm. So um, it's the motivation of the heart. In fact, I would I would push the issue that even beyond worship, it's all about the motivation of the heart. Why do you want to use the microphone this time in mm. front of the audience? What's your motivation? Why do you want to make sure they have your spelling and title and uh, letters before <laughs> and after your name on the program that everybody's going to see? What's the motivation? Yeah. yeah. You know, that's critical because that, that speaks a lot should speak a lot to the individual yeah. about you know where you're coming from and, but, it's, and it's biblical we we said that earlier in the episode that right. you know it's it's god is searching for worshipers and it's and it really comes down to where your heart and your spirit right is when when you're worshiping i, I have a, a a great theologian that used to speak into my life and still speaks because i still hear her her words and it's your grandmother mm. right i remember her saying i even use a quote i translated into english as she says uh, just do good to people, even if no one notices it. Mm. Let your motivation be to do good to people. Mm. And you know she lived that because, you, you know, yeah, right? yeah. she lived that. So it's so true. And it, 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 that's very deep, you know. And yeah. I learned that in seminary. I learned that in you know, conversation with her as she was giving me food to eat when I had gone, <laughs> got home late one day from service. And she says that just it's motivation. What yeah. is your motivation of trying to meet somebody? What is your motivation of taking that position? What is the motivation of you striving to whatever? You know, and to go before God, you don't, the motivation, not, not for me, you know, others may have that. My motivation is never that I need to get something. Lord, I have this new list of petitions that I need you to work on. Mm. No, it isn't even to feel anything. It's just simply to bow down before him and gratitude and express to him my deep appreciation that, you know, he's been by my side. So that makes a big difference. And so much of our life, so much of our life is determined, is shaped rather. It, it's given texture by what is motivating us to move forward. So yeah. much. Even doing this podcast, what is this about? Is this about, you know, it has to be beyond, we have to not only, some of the audience might think, you know, we're spending here the time that we spend on the microphone, not knowing some of the research that's done before, planning that's done before, all of that stuff. But the motivation is never for clapping and thank you so much. I mean, right, right. Appreciation is fine. Like that would be great, but yeah, it's not yeah, for that. that. Yeah, that, that's part, that's a, you know, a separate thing altogether, mm -hmm. but it really is motivated to be able to uh, uh, help people on the path of revelation and illumination. That really right. is what it's all about. Yes, yeah. Definitely the focus of worship is to glorify God. It is something that we, you know, it almost sounds like it is the most, it's kind of a humbling experience because it's the only thing we can offer back to God that he's looking for from us. Um, but at the same time, you know, just for the sake of conversation, what are, if anything, what do we get back in return? Well, if you experience? think about it, even there in the question, this is not a dig at you, but certainly at that point, um, what is the motivation? The motivation is to get something back. That should not yeah. be the motivation. The motivation is to strengthen my relationship, to give homage to God. God will, knowing all of our needs, he will respond to satisfy the, the needs that we have in our hearts. So that really goes right back to the, what I just stated a few moments ago, is the motivation of the heart. And, uh, and because God is very good at lavishing love on his creation, mm. right? That's why we express gratitude. Um we don't even have to worry about the benefits that we get back. But that said, that said, because that speaks to what I mentioned before with motivation, 
the Lord is so wonderful. He's so gracious. He's so benevolent. What does he give us back? You know, you go into a, a, a worship experience depressed, down and out, anxious, mm-hmm. and you yeah. leave no longer anxious. That's the truth. That's yeah. the truth. You know, you walk in there tired, and who isn't tired today? You know, as we're trying to recover from the, the last three years of craziness, right? So the day ends up being tired, but even you go in there tired, you feel refreshed. You go in there, you know, confused. You don't know what your next step is going to be. And you walk into this place of worship, and I have to use the word place, but this atmosphere of worship, um, and you come out with direction. Mm. You know, so uh, the Lord, because he's so benevolent, will shower us with incredible things. In fact, even things that we weren't even asking for, clarity and, you know, peace, shalom. That's what I was thinking, peace. Yeah, Yeah, you know, so so, uh, the, the thing is not going there to see what I can get. What are the benefits? But rather, and I understand the question because I think you know that that yeah. leads us into explaining it further, is that God already knows what I need. He knows my, my life. He knows what you know what I what what answers are really a priority. And if I trust Him, then He's going to respond in those areas. And then I have to then appreciate what He has done over my life as well. There's a there's a teaching in Scripture that we do in this church uh, often is that God inhabits the praises of His people. Yeah, And so God, when you walk into that place through praise and then into the experience of worship, which is getting into an, a more intimate relationship with him, heaven will respond. Heaven will respond. And when I mean heaven, I mean God included, will respond to that worshiper that's doing it in spirit and in truth. Yeah. Can you give us a personal example of when you have, because that, that really resonated with me, this idea of regardless of what crisis you're going through, despite all the drama and stress that you're dealing with, whatever darkness you're dealing with, to still kind of put that on pause and just, uh, a term we I've heard a lot in the church is um, a sacrifice of praise. What, what Can you give us a, a almost a testimony, I guess, of something like, well, you don't have to be sure, too specific, sure, but yeah. something you've personally experienced when you had no, were in no mood to, to worship God, but you did, what happened? Yeah, no, no, sure. I, I, um, again, for me, simplicity is helpful to understand. Like I use the example of the electric electricity and the yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, and for me, um, I, I work in my mind. I, I frame certain experiences. So I have one that I call the altar of brokenness. Mm. The altar of brokenness, and it's part of my worship package that I bring before the Lord. And the uh, altar of brokenness is, um. Bleeding, just walk into the presence of the Lord. Mm. That's why it's a spiritual discipline because you do it whether you feel like it or not. You mm. Just go and do it because you have to do it. Walking in there, not having words to share, not having words to say, mm. not having a Bible verse to throw up to the Lord, mm. not, not being able to recite a promise, Lord, you promised to do this, but really no words, no strength. Don't even know what the outcome is going to be, but I'm going to lay there broken before you, mm. right? And let my situation speak to God in the sense of, you know, connect with God. Because that's that's entering into a deeper relationship with the Lord. Although I pastor a church and I've been doing it for a long time, there are days that I've gone through where um, even going back through things that I've taught the church and taught people, you know, that, that isn't enough to help me in the moment that I'm going through right now. Yeah. Now, I could do two things. I could either go, next time I have the microphone, bleed all over the congregation, right? Mm. Oh, me, oh, my. Or I could be a big boy and demonstrate my spiritual maturity by trusting the Lord. And I usually go with the latter. And that is that I'll go to that altar of brokenness, and I call it that, 
um, where I just lay there before the Lord. And, you know, you know how sometimes a, a child injures themselves, they fall in the park and they run crying over to mm. mommy or daddy. Yeah, yeah. And no words are said, but simply the embrace. Yeah. The child is even still crying, doesn't even know why, but he knows that he has safety in, in mommy right. and daddy. And that brings a, a certain level of strength to the child to go back and play again. And mm. they might even have a bruise, but now the bruise doesn't matter because mommy and, or daddy hugged me. Same thing. The ultra brokenness for me is that. I don't know where I'm going to go. In fact, I'm not even seeking an answer. Oftentimes for me, what has happened, Matt, is that when I'm in that place, that holy place, that sacred place, that worshiping place, is that the peace of God comes in. Mm. And, and the peace of God is to sense his presence in such a way that it gives you the assurance that all will be all right. Mm. Everything's going to be all right. You don't know how. You don't know when. But it's going to be okay. But it requires then just trusting him as you're in that place of worship. So that's, you know, I mean, I could give specific instances in no, my journey. That, that's and that's, I've, I've said it in my preachings and teachings. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm probably too transparent sometimes. But overall, it's that I have an ultra brokenness. I, 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 sometimes I walk to it. Sometimes I run to it. Sometimes I just plunge myself. And it's usually a, a, a place of a bowing down before the Lord, which is one of the definitions that we use of, of, of praise and worship. When you, you know, you, you go and you bow down before Him, not expecting. Yeah, I'm, it. The, I'm, I'm, I have the the visual of prostrating yourself. Yes, right. That's also a biblical um, yes. example of how yeah. to worship. God, but no, I think that's a great example too, because that, you know, at the end of the day, that really comes down to the human experience for everybody. We all have these trials and tribulations and stressful seasons in our lives where all we are looking for is just a, at least a moment of peace. So to be able to, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of coping mechanisms that people will turn to to trying to alleviate their stress and just have some sort some sort of peace of mind. But it sounds like. Um, the worship experience can also, you know, unexpectedly result in just that clarity, that peace. The that, sailor. Yeah, there you go. The sailor. Being yeah. still. Yeah. Being still. You know, if you think about it, you, you go through an accident, right? And uh, this is human behavior. This is not even spiritual in the sense of it comes out of the biblical teaching, although it does indirectly. Um, you, you, you fell. Mm -hmm. You fainted. Yeah. Right? Whatever. When you're coming back to try and get your balance, they tell you, okay, hold on, just relax for a moment. Yeah, yeah, don't stand up right away. And don't start. stand up yeah, right away, yeah, yeah. right? That's true. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. And then all they're doing is let everything be reset mm -hmm. so that then you can have what you need to then go to the next step. You don't want to get somebody that tripped on, in the stairwell to get them up too quickly because you may injure them more. Somebody hurts their back. You don't want to move them because you may, you know, you may injure their spinal cord. So... That piece of Selah, which, by the way, speaks to Sabbath, which is rest, is very important for us in our spiritual journey. There are times when, you know, you need to go before the Lord through worship, walking into that, that inner room to worship, not for sermon prep, not for, you know, an agenda of how am I going to deal with the next meeting, but simply to pause and reset and expressing gratitude before the Lord. Maybe it's a time of confession to just just sensing the presence of the Lord. I guarantee you, when you go through that, you'll know individually, you'll walk up, walk out of that situation ready to face whatever is before you. Mm. And the problem hasn't gone away, but also God hasn't gone away because you sense this presence. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Before we wrap up, uh, you know, I definitely want to end with um, some tips and advice on best practices, but really quickly, mm -hmm. because worship and praise, it's very important, super significant, 
But what are some pitfalls? I feel like we need to be have some awareness of what to kind of be careful with when it comes to worship and praise. Maybe more with praise too, because praise is the one that's kind yes, of overlaps. That's right. You know, go. You know, it's not just exclusive to religion. So, yeah, can you walk us through some pitfalls, some things to avoid? Yeah, it, back to motivation, and you're right on target. It more is about praise and worship when you when you master praise in the in a, in a spiritual context, and then you walk toward worship. It becomes a, a whole different experience. But if your motivation is to sing better than the last person that song that had the microphone a few minutes before, that is a pitfall. Yeah. It's about it's not about performance. Fact. In fact, it's not even about singing, knowing how to sing. <laughs> it really isn't. It really I, I jokingly say this, but it's not all jokingly. I often tell the You don't need talent. <laughs> you don't need talent, right? It's if it's motivation, you don't need talent. And God, and I tell this to the church, God is so gracious that even if you sing off key. If your motivation is right, by the time the music leaves you or the song leaves your lips and gets to God's ear, the Holy Spirit helps God the Father out by fixing it in music, musically putting it on key so it gets to be a pleasant holy, sound. Holy auto-tune. <laughs> yeah, there that's, you go. That's that, I like that. To me. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Okay. So you don't need, you know, we talked before about talent. You don't need any of that. God is looking yeah. for the sincerity of your heart. But if that's your motivation and you you, if you're a singer and you're listening to me right now, or or if you perform rather than worship, that's a problem. Mm. You know, if you go because this this venue is going to have a thousand people, the other one is going to have a hundred people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's the wrong motivation. That's a self-serving motivation. If it's right. to, for, to display your gifting, and I think your gifting needs to be displayed, but stay humble, stay you know, stay contrite as you. And I believe you should have the best technical ability ever. But if that's what you want to bring to the people. Because again, God will accept even bad music. And I don't mean bad in the sense of that it's a, a dark music, but even from people that can't play, can't sing, he receives that, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about the person who can't sing that they're just singing in the shower and right. nobody can hear them. Right. But but even God appreciates that and will accept that depending. And like you said, the key part is your heart. Where's motivation. your heart at? Where's your motivation? Yes. Now on the flip side, for the people who are incredibly gifted, super talented, can you talk about the importance of staying humble with your worship? Right. Um, people that are super talented and super gifted have an additional challenge. Mm. And that is that they can't let the gift own them. Because if they, the gift owns them, they're going to easily walk the fine line toward pridefulness. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to go further the example of Satan, you know, and, and, and that, that was his downfall. Yeah. He was an angel, Lucifer, right, in Lucifer. charge of worship. Right, exactly. And got that was, if, if you could almost consider that as like the first sin even before human creation, right? That he Good point. I yeah. couldn't be God, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm not saying that very talented people are Lucifer, they're not. No. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But you've got to identify in yourself back to motivation. You've got to make sure that you keep that in check. And I believe the more talented and gifted you are, the more important that becomes. Mm. You know, because then you can either be, you can easily become musically hierarchical that no one can do this like I do this. No one can play this like I play this. No one can sing it like I sing. Or even preachers. Like, no one can preach like I preach. You know, so we have to be very careful with that. So even as, uh, as you're, and, and there's a tension here, Matt, because you should develop your gift to be as, 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 a, as a excellent as it can be. Right. It'll never be perfect, my teaching on perfect and excellence, right? It'll never be perfect. When it's perfect, it's when it's in heaven. But it can be so excellent that other people ha- are even afraid to sit on the keyboard because you just finished playing and it was an, an incredible, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You've got to make sure that you keep pride in check. 
And that is done, believe it or not, that's done through the act of worship. When you realize in your moment of gratitude that I have this incredible gift, but it is not of me. This God, God, God gave this to me. Yeah. If you keep those things in, in perspective, then you'll be able to balance the human inclination to just be drawn in and sucked into prideful behavior, which is not pleasing unto the Lord. Yeah. And, you know, just because somebody's very gifted and does very well, again, like I said before, that may not necessarily be worship because he's looking at the posture of your heart. Yeah. I mean, even, even they, those people who are particularly gifted and talented and it sounds like it doesn't have to be just music or necessarily Correct. art it could be public speaking or whatever their their area of gifting is right um they can even be uh, susceptible to praise for those giftings too which could kind of <laughs> feed into their own pride too so that's something i think also to to for people who are particularly gifted to be mindful of as well like don't get too caught up in your hype i'm thinking of paul the thorn in his side yes yes right yes. that's he, good he, that's a good wrote, example you know, he wasn't an artist, but he clearly glorified Jesus by right. spreading the gospel the way he did. Probably, dare I say, more than even Jesus did while he was alive. Correct. You know, but he also talked about that there's this struggle that I have that keeps me humble. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, and they just have to be careful with that. Don't be so enamored with your gift that you think that's it. You've arrived. Always lay that gift at the feet of Jesus in the time of worship, and, and you'll be okay. But yeah, you have to keep your eye on that because very easily you could get sidetracked. And But there's a tension here in fairness to those people that are super gifted that are listening to us right now. You deserve the praise. Mm. You deserve to be applauded. Right. You know, you just did an incredible rendition of the, the Handel's Messiah. You know, you just did an incredible... Uh, a painting, you know, uh, similar to Rembrandt, you know, you, whatever, you mm. just preach an incredible sermon. You just led an incredible moment of worship, right? You deserve it. You deserve, but be careful that you don't feel like you over-deserve it or you, or they under-deserved you. Mm. Only the Lord deserves the glory. There's a song that we sing in the Spanish congregation that it's difficult to translate into the English because the word loses its weight, um, but in the Spanish, basic rough, in, uh, rough interpretation, rough translation into the English, it's, uh, it goes like this. It says, in the church, the glory is for the Lord. Hmm. In English, that sounds very cold. But in Spanish, it's much more flowery, you know, uh, flowery uh, because, and deep because Spanish is a romance language. So we need to be careful that we keep those things in, 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 uh, in, in place. Worship is not for a person. It's for God. Hmm. Worship is not for a church. It's for God. Worship is not... Uh, directed toward a program or a sanctuary or whatever, an idea, it's for God, and we need to keep that in place. Yeah, that's great. So before we wrap up, any other tips, advice, best practices, stuff to keep in mind as we, as, you know, particularly from a, a Christian faith-based perspective um, on how we should approach our worship and praise? Yeah, I, I think what this episode has highlighted, I hope for our listeners, is the importance of what we spoke in the last session which is the spiritual disciplines of prayer, the spiritual disciplines of Bible reading, the spiritual, and by the way, worship is a, is a, is a, a discipline as well. Right. Um, the spiritual discipline of serving others, uh, spiritual maturity, because it's going to lead it towards spiritual maturity. And we need to keep that part of our uh, lifestyle. And by the way, worship is a lifestyle that affects every area of your life. Uh, so we need to make sure that we keep that in its place and not let it be replaced by anything else. The object of our worship needs to be vertical. It has to be God. That has to be all the time. That's not another personality. And I think if we keep that in, in check and we keep in check the thing of, of motivation that we talked about before, we'll be okay. The other thing, the final thought that I'll have, it, as a spiritual discipline, it's an evolving 
uh, attribute. Mm. So we need to make sure uh, to understand that at, the more you do it, the more you practice it, the more you engage it, the better you will become at it and the stronger you will be and the beneficiaries will be yourself, but also those around you as well. So very key, very important. Yeah, no, that's that's great advice. Thank you. Any other final words before we officially wrap up, Dr. Mark? You know what I was thinking when we were starting? This is our 10th episode. This is the 10th episode, tenth yeah. 10th episode. 10th episode. I feel like we just started the other day. Yeah. And, we, and we, we both look as young as we did 10 episodes ago. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, according to your first episode, you're uh, 70 decades old, if anybody heard yes, that. Yes, you know what? Let them go back and listen. You didn't delete that from the original episode. No, we got we to keep this authentic, yeah. you know? And I think with, Uncut. And with that, it's to encourage our, our listeners to let others know stay connected yes. with us you know yes. you may not agree with everything I say or you may have questions about how what I said how I said it and what it forced me to say it uh, but it's done with the right you know, intention from the heart it is really to enrich and bless you in your journey God bless you richly thank you for joining in hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Seek and Find with Dr. Mark Rivera. Thank you for listening and God bless.